Our study today is entitled Soul Wounds. Soul Wounds. How many of you, when you look at this, look at the cover of your hand out there, and it's a picture of a heart, and there's some sort of a, a band-aid that kind of holds the heart together, and it's wrapped up in that beautiful healing cloth. How many of you here have experienced in some form a broken heart? Yeah? Hurt, pain, discouragement. At some point in our life, I think we've, we've all experienced this sort of <clears throat> hurt. Sometimes it's devastating. Sometimes it's more than we could bear. And it feels like a knife has just gone right into your heart and it's digging away at you. If you know what that's like, this study's totally for you, all right? I was reading through the Bible, and I came across this one verse. Um, it's found in Job 24, verse 12. It's just a small little verse, but... From the city men groan, and the souls of the wounded cry out. From the city men groan. Do you know what it is to groan? Let me hear you groan. <laughs> Some people think it's just a sigh. Ah. It's like when my mom asks, Tim, could you please help me with the garbage? Ah. Yeah, that's, a, that's a heavy sigh. But a groan, the way that it's talked about here, a groan is so much more than just a heavy sigh or being displeased. A groan, it's like an ache sort of cry. Okay? The Hebrew word that's used here for groan is actually, it's na'ak, 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 N-A-A-Q. And it suggests that this groan comes from one who has been wounded, kalal, okay, who has been wounded. And these two words, this wounded, is talking more about a piercing, okay, like a stabbing. So when we look at this verse again, some people might look at it and not think much. From the city, men groan. Why? Oh, they're probably bored. They're probably dissatisfied. But this groaning, it's, it's a serious groan. A groan that comes from one who has been pierced or stabbed. It's a hurtful groan. And the writer of the book of Job uses this poetic line to speak of the hearts of the people who had been suffering from this soul stabbing. Okay. The souls of the wounded cry out. Have you ever been so hurt that you couldn't get any words out? You've been so hurt that you couldn't even, you had no energy to, to shout or cry. But inside you, in the silent moment, it's just you, but inside you're screaming on the inside. Anguish, torment, pain, desperate cries from our soul. If you've never experienced it yet, you're blessed. <laughs> if you're still experiencing that today, you're still blessed. I don't know what you're dealing with today, 
Nobody knows what really goes on in a person's life. The secret parts of a person, only their spirit knows. And I got to ask you this question. What are some of the reasons you have groaned in your soul? Just think about it, okay? You don't have to tell me. This is more reflective. I want you to think about it. What are some of the reasons you have groaned in your soul? How did you deal or not deal with it? Was it easy to deal with? Was it difficult? And why? Sometimes we think we deal with the, the thing that's causing us to groan. We think we're dealing with the issues. But really, we're just putting it out of our minds so we don't have to deal with it. We shove it under a rug, out of sight, out of mind. We compartmentalize it, and we just don't deal with it. And when you shove things under the rug, you can only shove so much under that rug. Eventually, it starts to creep up through the fibers of that rug. Was it easy to deal with? Sure, I got over it quick. I can't hold a grudge. I just, out of sight, out of mind, I don't care about it anymore. Indifference, because you don't want to deal with what it could possibly do. You don't want to deal with the discomfort that it brings you, so you just get rid of it. And then you go on to something else that makes you feel more comfortable. So this groaning and this soul stabbing. Let's see what the Bible has to say in Matthew chapter 5, 23 to 24. Remember, this was Jesus teaching the Mount of Olives, right? Uh, Matthew 5, 23 to 24. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So before you're coming to the temple, before you come and offer your gift to the Lord, it's saying, listen, this is where you're at blame, right? It's not saying if somebody else wronged you, you have to go to them and make it right. What this verse is saying, listen, if you come to offer your praise to God, if you come and you want to offer your sacrifice, and you remember that somebody has something against you. Maybe you did something to offend them. You did something wrong to them. You sinned against them. You have to go and make that right first. I mean, make that attempt. Go leave your offering here because there's something that needs to be dealt with. Something's wrong. How could you try to make peace with God just for yourself and leave the other person hanging? It's not fair. You know, it's like, um, let's say there was a famine here in the city, and all of a sudden we heard there's a place that's offering free food to everybody that comes, right? And your brother or sister and you, you had a fight. So you're like, I don't care. I'm going to leave them there. I'm going to go get my food. So you run ahead and you go get your food, and they ask you when you arrive, before we give you this food, um... Do you have any problem with any of your brothers or sisters? Yes, I do. They hate me right now. Okay, well, before you get to partake of this, you need to go and make things right with them and bring them along so both of you could enjoy this together. Right? Because you're no better than the other person. This helps prevent us from building up pride within ourselves. Right? 
There's another verse here, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Okay. This one's a little different, right? If your brother or sister sins, these are people, it doesn't mean go out there and start accusing everybody of their sin. Okay. Um, in other verses, other versions, it says, if your brother or sister sins against you, okay, then you go and make it right with them. Okay? Between the two of you, you go. You don't have to rally all your friends together before you confront the person. No, if they did something wrong to you, you just go to them and like, dude, let's make this right. You know? If they listen to them, if they listen to you, you've won them over. Let's look at Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you, may, you also may be tempted. This is speaking to the people who live by the Spirit. Okay? If someone's caught in sin, and it assumes you who live by the Spirit, how should you restore that person? Gently. Gently. Gently, not accusing, not condemning, not saying, listen, um, aren't you part of this church? Well, we know that you're doing bad stuff, and that, that's not cool with us. So you better turn from your evil ways or turn or burn. Turn or be disfellowship. <laughs> you know, turn or you're cut off. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Okay? So when we look at these three passages, why is there groaning? What's wrong? If there's a problem, okay? If you're groaning, we acknowledge there's a problem, okay? What is the problem, okay? The groaning is just an indicator that something is hurting you. Something is eating away at you. Why is there groaning? What's wrong? How do we address what is wrong? These passages talk about the beginning of the healing process. All of these. Do you notice all of them? It's like, listen, if they're stuck in sin, if, they, if you did something against somebody and they have something against you, go to them first. Right there, that's the beginning of the healing process. Some people feel, oh, I don't need to involve them. They're, they're the source of my pain. I'm going to go heal by myself. I'm going to go to my therapist and heal over there. You know? I'm not going to deal with my brother or sister. I'm not going to try and reconcile. They're the ones that wronged me. Why should I go to them? I'm the one that's hurting. I'm the victim. Poor me. Right? Kawawa. Yeah. You know, you, you get it, right? And, and you play that card, and you're just... All you care about is your own healing. What about the other person? They might not realize how they affected you. You know, they're, and you help them realize their fault. And you help restore them gently, right? These passages talk about the beginning of the healing process. It begins with truth telling. Everybody say truth telling. Let's say it louder truth telling. Okay, so earlier we had soul stabbing. 
That's the horrible condition. And the beginning of the healing process is truth-telling. Okay? So from soul-stabbing to truth-telling, let's look what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 has to say. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. We're all members of one body. This is talking about the body of Christ, the body of believers, the church, all who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, believing in God, Creator God, God our Father. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully. Now, what does speaking truthfully mean? If you come into a room and you see your friend dressed up a certain way and you disagree with the way that they're dressed and you say, wow, you look really ugly today. Is that speaking truthfully? I mean, you're giving your honest opinion. Is that true? So they wear one bad outfit and you say, wow, you have the worst sense of style ever. Is that true? It might be. I don't know. <laughs> no, but, um, but what is truth? What are we talking about here? What does it mean to be people of truth? Truth of or about who or what? What are we telling the truth about? This includes doctrinal truth, relational truth, truth about God, truth about others, truth about circumstances, and truth about our own souls. You know this whole think positive um, idea that's out there? Um, if you're unhappy, you just have to think positively. And sometimes when we think positively, we start to tell ourselves lies. We're rejecting reality. We tell ourselves lies to make ourselves feel better so we could feel happy. You're speaking lies to yourself. You're not speaking truth. Okay? What does it mean to be people of truth? My wife and I talk about this one a lot. If you know something's up and you, you know it has to be talked about and you leave out some information, are you being truthful in that discussion? Not fully. It's not the full truth. If you give partial truth and mix it with a little bit of other white lies, is that true? No. It's misleading. It's manipulating. It's difficult to process through, isn't it? It's confusing. Truth is absolute. Truth is truth. Whether you believe it or not to be true, it's still truth, okay? You might have your own perception of things, and yes, that's how you believe things had gone. You know, I watched the Raptors games, and they have three referees, and they all blow the whistle, and they all have to say, no, it happened like this, or no, that guy, it was out of bounds, or no, that guy was shoved that other guy, you know? And, and then they can't agree, and they're all three people standing around having a different perspective of the exact same event that occurred. And they all think that what they saw was the truth. 
But you know, when they can't agree, you know what happens? They all go to the screen and walk to the center of the stage, and they all kind of like review the video over and over to see what actually happened, because truth matters. And then they make their judgment based on that truth, you see. If they could do that in sporting events, why can't we do that as a church when there's a dispute amongst brother and sister? When some people say, well, he said that, she said that, and then they did that. You know what? Come together, work it out together, stop fighting, and seek truth. Seek truth and speak truth, and healing could begin. Because if we hang on to our own perspectives and we're unwilling to bend a little bit to, to view things from a different way, to be more empathetic or understanding of where somebody else is coming from, healing can't occur if we're all being selfish. Guess what happens if you don't start that healing process? Your soul keeps on groaning and you harbor hate and bitterness, and you don't like the person that you're becoming. But you're too proud to admit that you were wrong. You're too proud to admit that you had anything to contribute to this horrible situation. You want somebody else to take the blame for it. Yeah? Let's be honest. That's the truth. And we wonder, why, why can't we all just get along? Because we're being selfish. Because we're not being truthful. Because we're leaving stuff out. And everybody groans. What's the point of telling the truth? I love this idea that God has introduced to us about uncovering things. You can't deal with it until you uncover stuff, okay? Let's look at it here. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Okay, so right here. I like that kind and compassionate. It shows uh, understanding. This was the heart of Jesus, as he dealt with other people. He was kind. He was compassionate. He wasn't a pushover. He stood for truth, okay? He upheld the truth, and he lived out that truth. He would speak truth in love towards other people with kindness and compassion flowing from him, okay? And then it says, forgiving each other. The words forgiving one another assume that confession is happening, right? It assumes that confession is happening. You don't go around the church forgiving people who haven't gotten any indication, they haven't given any indication that they've sinned against you. Think about how offensive that would be. You had no idea that you did anything to this person, and they come up to you and they say, listen, I forgive you. No, I forgive you. Don't worry about it. And you're like, what? What do you mean you forgive me? You don't have to forgive me. I didn't do anything wrong. It's offensive. It's arrogant. It's prideful, but we do it. I'm a better Christian, so I'm going to forgive you. You didn't, you didn't even have the guts to admit that you were wrong, but I forgive you. 
You know, lately there's been this thing, you don't want that hurt to be harboring you down, so just release that person. Don't be angry at them. Forgive them. You can forgive them in your heart and know that you don't hold that against them, but don't go up to them. Listen, buddy, I forgive you. You haven't owned up to it yet, but don't worry. When you're ready, I forgave you. It's arrogant. It makes you look ignorant. <laughs> like, why do we do it? Don't, don't do that, okay? You cause more problems, okay? Don't, please, don't do that. I forgive you, I forgive you, and they don't even know what you're talking about. So here when it says, be kind and compassionate, forgiving one another assumes that confession's taking place. Assumes that a person wants to relieve themselves of, I am so sorry for what I had done. I am so sorry for not doing more. I am so sorry that I was blind to your need and your hurt. I am so sorry to know, I, I didn't realize how I affected you and I am, feel terrible about that and you're confessing it. You're bringing it to the table. Then, all right, brother, I forgive you. Okay. Why is confession so important? What is it doing, this uncovering? Let's look at James chapter 5, verse 15 to 16. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Okay, this here I, I really enjoy. This is talking about when somebody was sick, the practice was you take them to the elders of the church. The elders of that church, the body of believers, they would pray over you and give you the opportunity to, for healing. Yes, it is talking a little bit about physical healing, but as we go a little bit Below that, if a person who's sick, they're, they're needing that help and attention, and they come to God, and they, they're giving an opportunity here. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Okay? They're coming to the appropriate people in the church. They're coming to the appropriate people that will pray because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You're going to someone that you could trust yourself with to lift you up to God. Okay? You're not just going to the witch doctor or the medical doctor or whatever other naturopathic doctor. No, you're going to like the soul doctors in the church that are lifting you up to the great physician. And there's a different sort of healing that occurs when you come to the great physician. He doesn't just want to heal you physically. Okay? What he cares more about, he looks at the inside of you. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at your soul. He looks how you've been soul-stabbed and you're groaning in pain because you are, your soul is aching. And he wants to make you whole again. He wants to bring you to good soul spiritual health. Okay, And he wants the healing process to begin. And it begins by truth-telling. But can't God heal me? I mean, he already knows what I've done. Do I really have to bring everything up to him? Do I have to make a list? You know? What if I missed a sin? You know? Like, don't worry about it, guys. 
you can't, I don't think God expects you to go back and remember every wrong thing you've done. It doesn't work like that. Okay? He cares about the condition of your heart. You're so broken because of the choices that you've made and the way that you've been living. And you're coming to God saying, listen, I am wretched. I am broken. I am no good. What am I going to do with this? And God says, listen, I'm going to take away that old heart. And I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to take your broken spirit. And I'm going to give you a new spirit. You could take your old life. And just leave it right there with the groaning and the moaning and the pains and everything else. And you could step into a new life that I'm giving you now. And you're like, okay, God, it sounds like a good deal. <laughs> it sounds like a good deal. I, I'm tired of all this hurt. And some people make the decision to, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus because they don't want to deal with the hurt. But Jesus also said, listen, when you follow me, be ready because suffering will come. When you follow me, you will get hurt. The world will hate you. Everything will be against you. But don't worry, I'm going with you. And you're like, that doesn't sound like a good deal. That's not what I signed up for. It's supposed to be easier when I came to Jesus. But I accepted Jesus. Now things are getting harder. Now I have to tell the truth all the time. I can't lie to myself anymore. Let me ask you a question. Do you guys need healing in your soul today? Yes, you do. I do. Are there still hurts that linger in your life today? Absolutely. Okay, good. We're, all, we're not alone, guys. We're all on the same boat. Guess what? We're all part of the same body. Hey? We're all part of the body of Christ. And you might be like, you know, you say that, Tim, and it's nice, but I don't really know many people here. That's okay. My left hand doesn't always know what my right hand's doing. But God knows you, and you're part of his body. And Jesus Christ is the head of this body. And when there's something wrong in the body, the head knows it. If my foot hurts, there's a message that gets sent to my brain saying, your foot hurts. And then your brain processes some stuff and says, okay, hands, massage the foot. And he... You know, the brain sends other parts of the body to minister to the hurting parts of the body, right? In the same way, God wants to use you. He wants to use you to reach your brother or sister that might be hurting today. Because you're part of the body, and we're all, you know, that whole idea of um, love your neighbor as yourself? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you stop seeing yourself as selfish Tim, it, life is not just about me. I say that life is all about Jesus. He's the center of my life. He's everything I live for because I'm part of his body. Okay? Love your neighbor as yourself. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
And if you're part of the body of Christ, it's no longer you who live. It's Christ that lives in you. So I'm going to love my brother and sister. I'm not going to hold anything against them. I'm not going to let this house be divided because of my own pride and arrogance. That's a sickness that I'm bringing in. I need to start telling the truth. My life is not my own. It's been purchased by Jesus Christ. All right? I now belong to him. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in us. Together. But I don't trust other people, Tim. You don't have to trust other people. You just have to trust God. But I struggle with trust. I have trust issues. Fine. You don't have to trust anybody else. You don't place your trust in other people. You just trust God. I don't know if I could do that. Have you tried? (laughs) I mean, have you tried? Or are you still trying to protect yourself? Are you still trying to heal yourself? And you're not letting anybody else take care of you. You're not letting God's family take care of you. You're like, I don't trust people. You don't have to trust them. You're trusting God. And we're all part of his family. There are some bad eggs, sure. You know, there's some black sheep in every family. All right? And there's always going to be something going wrong. And that's okay. There's always going to be some groaning that happens so long as we're still here on this earth. Okay? When you follow Jesus, it's not all sunshine and butterflies and daisies and unicorns and it's not all that Jesus came to serve a sin sick world imagine that he lowered himself because he knows the cry of the people the earth the whole world was groaning in despair and at just the right time Father God sent his only son, Jesus, into this world to speak truth. The word became flesh. The word of truth became flesh so that we could know this truth. And the truth that we need to remember always, friends, is that God loves you. God loves you, and he loves you so much he gave his only son. To take your punishment, to take your sins and not hold it against you anymore. God sent his only son so that you could have a new relationship with God. That's the truth. So you try to save your life here on this world, here in this world. You try and save your life. You try to make it comfortable. You try to show your friends, look at me. I got my life together. I found the right girl, got the nice car, got the latest phone. Look at me. I posted it on Instagram. Like it. We want to prove to everybody that my life's not so bad. But you're still hurting. You're still lonely. You're still incomplete. Half the stuff we post online, they're lies. They're lies. They're snippets of our day where we might feel happy and we show everybody, look how happy I am. And as soon as the picture's done, you look at the picture and you say, I don't like the way I look. 
but I'm going to post it anyway. <laughs> it's lies. Don't be so split. Okay. We need to start telling the truth. We need to be connected with what is here, with what is now, with what God has given us. And right now, friends, God has given you now. He's given you now to start telling the truth. He's given you now so you don't have to live in the past or worry about the future. He's given you now to enjoy following him, obeying him, and discovering all the good that comes from living that sort of life. You know, some people say, I can't wait till God comes again so that all this is done and I could just, you know, no more death, no more suffering, no more pain. That's beautiful. It's lovely. Yeah. And that is great. But did you know you could start enjoying the joy of the Lord right now? You don't have to wait till you die before you can start enjoying God. Dude, you know, you won't be groaning so much if you just start telling the truth and uncovering and confessing. I've done wrong, Lord. Look into my heart. Confession is an airing out of the soul. When we keep silent and hidden these soul diseases, it causes soul rot. Confession allows us to uncover what we have hidden because of our shame and our fear. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? They did something wrong. They didn't realize it was wrong until they did it. And at that point, it's too late. You can't undo what you've done. All right? Um, if somebody ever tries to make you feel like you have to undo what you did, it's a trap. Don't do it. You cannot undo what's been done. Okay? You could confess it. You could own up to it. You can deal with it and move forward. But if you are so ashamed and you hide in fear that you cover it up, then be prepared to continue living your life groaning because you're not airing it out. It's like when you get a cut and it's bleeding, you might put a Band-Aid on to stop the bleeding. But what happens if you keep that Band-Aid on there and you just keep it on there and you don't want to pull it off because you're afraid it's going to hurt or something and you just keep it on there and it's been like days and you have the same Band-Aid on. Nurse Faye, what do you say? It's gross. Ew, yeah. It rots. Yeah, it's gross. You need to air it out, okay? Let the air do the healing work, all right? If you keep things hidden, it'll rot. But once you air it out, let the sun shine on it. There's some healing properties that are there, okay? So there's an opening in of the soul that happens during times of suffering. Why does God let me hurt? I thought God was a kind, compassionate, and loving God. He is! And in the midst of your hurt, you will discover that he is kind, he is compassionate, and he's understanding. Okay? In the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your trial. And it's there that we can experience God at a very deep and profound level. Unfortunately, many are quick to look for a band-aid solution at the first sign of discomfort or disruption. Anybody guilty of that? Things get, just want a Band-Aid solution. You know, it's like you, you start to get a little headache, so you pop a pill. And the headache persists, so you pop another Tylenol. 
And it's been like, I think the bottle says, don't go seven days or longer taking this. Yeah. And you just keep taking the pills to deal with the headache. So you're covering it up, trying to deal with it just to get through the day, but you're not addressing the issue. Why am I getting this headache? You know, maybe I need a massage. I don't know. Maybe it's a tension thing. I don't know. Maybe I have a brain tumor. I don't know. And if you just keep band-aiding over these situations, you don't get to the root of what the real problem is. Okay? So when you start groaning in your soul, pay attention. Okay? When you start groaning in your soul, pay attention. Because it's saying there's something that's not right within me. Okay? There's something not right within me. I'm still groaning. I could easily blame other people, but maybe that's what's wrong with me. I'm not taking accountability for what I'm hanging on to. Maybe someone did something wrong against you. You might not have sinned, but something wrong was done against you. Okay? This is very common amongst people that have been violated sexually. Okay? They are the victim of their circumstance, and they are groaning in their soul. They didn't do anything wrong, but a wrong was done to them. I understand this myself. Okay? A wrong was done to me. And it, you groan in your heart, but there's so much shame attached to that. Who are you going to tell? Even if you do tell, is it going to fix what was wrong? No, it's still your soul that's hurting. Do I have to confess anything? I didn't do anything wrong. Just bring it to the light. Confess. Say what happened. Tell the truth. And then healing could occur. But if you keep silent and keep hidden these wounds inside you, you will not heal. If you're waiting for God to forgive you before you decide to follow him more, God has already forgiven you. But why am I not experiencing it yet? Because you're still hiding. You're still hanging on to something. You're not airing it out. You're not uncovering it. Our job isn't to cover the shame. That's Jesus' job. Our job is to uncover it before the foot of the cross in front of Jesus and allow his blood to fall over that situation and you are now covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then healing can occur. If you are still hanging on to something, friends, that is damaging your soul, lay it at the foot of the cross today. Allow the blood of Jesus Christ to cover over that. Because when you come to the foot of the cross, you are admitting your fault. You are confessing and airing it out. And the only thing that's going to heal your soul is a soul giver, God himself. Okay. Let's look at Psalm 32, verse 3 to 5. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So here we see that there is a spiritual and a physical connection. 
okay? When you're suffering inside your soul, when you're suffering in your spirit, and um, there's just that soul rot going on in there, whatever is happening on the inside actually affects the outside as well, okay? If you're happy in your heart, it shows in your countenance. If you're depressed in your spirit, guess what? It shows on the outside, okay? If you're feeling lousy and you have no motivation to go on, your body starts to wear away. Things start to go wrong. You feel the stress in your muscles. Is stress a physical thing? Is mental stress a physical thing? It's mental, but it affects me physically, right? So this invisible thing affects my physical life again, okay? The spiritual and the physical connection. I like what John Piper has to say about this. He says, dishonesty and hiddenness and privateness about our sins brings both spiritual and physical misery. God would spare us that. And so he teaches us to confess our sins to God and to one another. Why do I need to confess my sins to another human being? That's between me and God. We just read it there, right, in Ephesians? Confess your sins. And in James, Ephesians and James, we're talking about forgiving one another and confessing to one another. Why would I confess to my brother or sister here at church? You know, some, uh, you know, the Catholic Church, I, I like the practice that they have, um, that they instill in, in people at a young age um, to go for confession. Now, you don't have to go to the priest to confess, but it's a good practice to have. Why? Because you don't hide in your shame, you air it out. You're given the opportunity to confess. If someone's sinning and they don't know they're sinning, as a brother or sister in the family, you get to go to them and point out their fault so that they have the opportunity to confess. Okay? How many of you um, are currently practicing confessing your sins to another believer? Come on. How many of you? <laughs> okay. How many of you are the church? Part of the church? Not like membership, but just like you're a believer. Are you a believer? Are you a follower of Jesus? Okay. How many of you are currently in the practice of confessing your sins to one another? Okay. Okay, let's scratch that and ask another question. How many of you still have soul wounds that you're harboring today? How many of you are hurting in your soul somewhere today? Okay, so how many of you acknowledge you need soul healing today? Okay, that's a lot more hands. We all know we need healing. We all know there's something wrong. But we also know from what we've been studying today, healing starts with truth-telling. And part of that truth-telling is coming before God, confessing, I have wronged you, Lord. But not just with God. He says, I want to use my people. I'm using my family. You could confess to one another. 
okay? Because if some wrong was done against you, that involved another human being. Why are you getting healing just on your own? If a brother or sister has sinned against you in the family, they need healing too. Don't just say, okay, I forgive you. You don't even know what you've done, but I forgive you. You'll get it one day. I'm better than you. Don't do that. Okay? We need to be honest. We have to stop hiding. Let's stop being so secretive about our life and start journeying together and sharing life with one another. Now, does that mean you have to go and tell everybody, oh, listen, this is what I did last night? And you start to brag about your sins? No, that's not confession. That's bragging and glorifying sin. Okay, don't do that. Confession is when you come and say, listen, I'm struggling with this. I don't know how to deal with it. I've been carrying it too long. Will you help shoulder this burden with me and pray for me, brother? I, I'm coming to you and I'm expressing this to you and I, I'm trusting God that you're going to lift me up to him and pray for me because I can't do this alone. You see, the practice gets rid of the pride. The practice helps us be more humble with one another. And we give somebody else the opportunity to serve us by praying for us. You see? So God knows what he's talking about. He says, listen, uncover this, and healing's going to occur. But we are one body, we are one family, and we're going to heal together. Healing. We'll just uh, go over these real quick. Uh, Psalm 34, verses 1 to 4, and 103, verses 1 to 6. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will, glorify in, I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Praise the Lord, oh, praise the Lord my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems you from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. For all the oppressed, the wounded, the hurting, the brokenhearted, God wants to make you whole. He wants to restore you. He wants to refresh you. He wants to rejuvenate you and give you life like the youth. All right, he wants to bring that back to you and use you for his purposes. Don't wait for your circumstances to change before you praise God. Okay? I'll only praise God if he does something for me, right? God, are you really worthy of my praise? Prove it, you know? I ask for this job. If you give me that job, I'll praise you more. You know, if you get me that girl, I'll put more money in the offering plate. Don't wait for your circumstances to change before praising God. Praise him continually for who he is. Not even for what he's done. Just praise him for who he is. Okay? 
Sing a song from your soul, no matter how wounded you may be. Anybody here like country music? I like country music. I am not ashamed. <laughs> I like country music. They got some good tunes, nice vocals. But the message in those songs, boy, I tell you. My wife ran away with the dog. She took the cross, I don't know. She, <laughs> she took everything and left me here and I'm playing my guitar. But in their sadness, they still sing a song. Um, when you read through the Bible, do you realize there are a whole bunch of songs that are written there right in the middle of your Bible? In the book of Psalms, it's more than poetry. There's song lyrics. Okay, I love looking up song lyrics. It holds the message of the song. It's what gives the song meaning. So when I look through the songs in the Bible and I see the situations and the circumstances that people were finding themselves in, that no matter what circumstance they were in, they were able to praise the Lord and bless his name. They didn't wait for God to save them from something. They prayed to God singing a song of praise. You are a good God, and even though I'm experiencing this right now, you are still good. And I praise you, and that's telling the truth. See, we don't only have to confess our sin. We have to confess what we believe to be true. We have to confess the name of Jesus, that he is Lord. We have to confess that God is indeed sovereign God over all things. We have to declare it, and healing occurs. So don't confess your sin to brother and sister here and then run off to a psychotherapist to fix all your problems. Okay? You have to confess God too. When my wife and I are having issues and uh, it's difficult for us to trust each other, um, I don't try to do things to make her trust me. You know? It, it seems impossible. It seems like... The more I try, the less she trusts me, you know? So just don't do that. If you're a believing couple and you're married, it's not just a marriage between you and your wife. It's a covenant marriage. It's you and your wife and God over all of it. So when we can't trust each other and it's hard for us to talk and we're doing the soul talk to heal the soul, when it's hard for us to even be kind and say a nice word because we're so hurt by the other person. And we go, I don't know what to do. And we just tell each other, I don't know what to do. I don't know how we could fix this. We are able to say, I'm trusting God for everything right now. And we remind each other, if you can't trust me, just trust God. Because he's the one that's holding this together. We exist not for our own purpose. We exist for his purpose. That's telling the truth. Because when we do that, we're there to serve one another instead of be selfish in the marriage. Okay? The moments that you start to get selfish in the marriage, there's dissonance and discord, disharmony. Things just aren't working anymore.
tell the truth. And then we can heal. Sing a song from your soul no matter how wounded you may be. Anybody here fancy themselves a good singer? Do you have a nice singing voice? Here's a good thing about soul songs or a song from the soul. You don't have to sound good. All right? You don't have to be the greatest singer. You don't have to practice your karaoke magic mic. You know? You don't have to. You just... Your soul song, you stand before God and he looks into your heart and you just open up and uncover and it just comes screaming out at God, whatever's in your soul. Okay? And if it sounds bad, then God's like, okay, son, we're going to tweak that. We're going to tweak this. Because he wants harmony in your life. He wants a beautiful song to come from your soul. He doesn't want you going out there with your soul hurt and you're groaning. He's going to replace your groan with a beautiful song. He wants to heal the inside of you, friends. And a new song is going to rise up, a song that indeed praises him, creator of all things, making all things new. Amen? I like what it says, Jeremiah 17, 14 says, Heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. For you are the one I praise. We praise him because we know he is the one that saves, the one that heals, the one who lives, all right? We know that he's faithful to his promises, so we don't need him to do anything else for us. We just have to trust in who he is, all right? A faithful, good, loving, and compassionate God that can heal you, that can save you. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. This is a foretelling of what happened to Jesus Christ at the cross. He was pierced for our transgressions. Sure, he was physically pierced. That was for the world to see with their own eyes. But more so, he was pierced in his very soul. And as he hung up on that cross, he cried out a groan from his soul. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The hurt, the pain, and the anguish that God and Jesus were experiencing at that point in time, they were separated from one another because sin cannot be where God is. And Jesus Christ became sin on the cross so that you and I would never have to bear being separated from God ever again. He was pierced and he groaned. And by his wounds, we have been healed. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. By his wounds, we have been healed. That word healed means saved. Okay? It's more than just feeling good. This study is not about feeling good. This study is about being saved. Okay? Because our sin sickness, our soul sin sickness, is not just about how it makes us feel. 
okay? When we're feeling that way, we realize something. We still need to die to sins, and we need to start living for righteousness, okay? Jesus Christ didn't come just to make you feel good. He came here to save you, okay? He didn't come to make you feel a little bit happier today. He came because you were sick, and without him, you would die for all eternity. But now he says, you don't need to die. Your sins need to die. Now you get to go live and live right, live righteously, put on Christ, the righteousness of Christ. And by his wounds, you have been healed. To close and sum up this whole study, I just want to leave you with a few things, some practical things. We're always looking for a practical application to our studies. What could I start doing to deal with these issues that I'm facing today? The first thing is shift your focus from fear to faith. Okay? You're not operating from a place of fear. You're operating from a place of faith. You believe in God, that he is doing what he says he's doing, that he is who he says he is. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You could start telling the truth and stop hiding. Move from fear to faith. And you can move from hurt and hiding to hope and healing. When you stop hiding, the healing can occur. Okay? You could bring your hurt, and you don't have to stay there and feel any sort of despair by it. You have to find the hope in that situation that God has something better for you in store. And when you are waiting on God, what must you do? Worship him. Sing a song of praise. Just start worshiping him today. <laughs> he doesn't have to earn your worship. He deserves it. I mean, it's only his. Like, your worship belongs to nobody else because he's the one that created you. All right? And he's the one that's saving you and making you new. Worship him, friends. It's my prayer that if you are still struggling, if you are still not sure how to do this walk with God, um, it's my prayer that you would just make the decision every day to wake up, not just get out of bed, you have to wake up your soul and turn your eyes upon Jesus every day. And imagine every morning when you wake, Jesus is extending his hand to you, and he's saying, my child, let's go for a walk. And you walk the whole day with him. I believe healing will start to come, friends, as you discover more of God's truth through his word, as you seek him. I pray that his spirit come and stir up something fresh and something new and something life-giving in your heart. And I pray that your life would be transformed so much so that the world will know, you know what? God's doing an awesome work in you, and he's going to start doing it in the lives of the people around you. All right?